Hi, I'm Larry Gifford. I have Parkinson's disease. This is when life gives you Parkinson's. Joining me on the podcast journey is my wife and partner in Parkinson's, Rebecca Gifford. Hello. Hello, my darling. I'm so excited about this episode because we're talking about something that has been a part of our lives for many years now. Yeah, a few weeks ago, we aired an integrative medicine episode. It was kind of a really strong response, like lots of people going, hey, thank you, yay, you're talking about that. <laughs> Uh, and so many of you have tried and benefited from holistic perspective to wellness and open-minded ideas of what kinds of healings are available and helpful for you. And uh, you were excited that we were acknowledging that and talking about that. Others of you are like, tell me more. I didn't know this world existed. <laughs> so we decided to continue the conversation this week, expand it, and... Uh, showcase some different kinds of healing practices. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about holistic modalities that acknowledge the importance of energetic balance and energetic awareness. You and I are both fortunate to have been exposed to many different kinds of medicine and healing over the years. It really started back when I was a licensed massage therapist for several years when we lived in the Los Angeles area and then in Seattle. So 10 or 15 years ago, back in the olden days. The olden days. <laughs> and then through the training school that I went to and the bodywork community that we met, we both worked with some amazing practitioners offering any number of different kinds of sessions. I think we tried almost everything. <laughs> We're searchers. Yeah. But we tried things like craniosacral therapy, heller work, aromatherapy, energetic medicine, myofascial release, acupuncture. I even took a class in the Alexander Technique. Do you remember floating? Yes, we did do some floating in Seattle, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, with a little sensory deprivation. Yes. Getting in tanks. Every body work or other kind of session I've ever participated in has had an energetic intention and component. It plays a significant role in even the most mainstream holistic practices that many of us have tried, like massage therapy, yoga, mindfulness meditation, acupuncture, naturopathy, Ayurvedic medicine, Chinese medicine. Even health insurance companies will cover most or all of these, oh, yeah. some of them. yeah. And they're all about bringing about homeostasis stimulating or calming the mind, body, and energy so that you can find your natural balance and energy flow. They ultimately promote the body's natural ability to heal and find greater overall wellness. And they also can help us more clearly access our own inner peace and wisdom. And, and for us, to different degrees, we've benefited from all the body work and energy modalities we've tried. Some of them have been a regular part of our wellness practices for a decade or so, but Neither of us had experienced Reiki until a year and a half ago at the World Parkinson Congress. Reiki is what most people think of when you hear of energy healing. Uh, it's been taught and practiced in the West since the 1930s, but it was developed in the 1920s in Japan. And that happens to be where you, my darling, had a Reiki session. I did. The last three World Parkinson Congresses we've discovered have offered free Reiki sessions to participants. When we attended in Kyoto in 2019, there was a room dedicated to these amazing local practitioners. They were offering massage, which I definitely participated in, and it was oh, a really yeah. nice massage, and Reiki sessions. My Reiki session was with a lovely man named Moniki Muhammad, 
It was very peaceful, very balancing. What a great experience. I have that's one of my one of the top memories that I have from the World Parkinson Congress. Well, because of you and others who experienced that, I was really curious. So I asked Eli Pollard of the World Parkinson Congress, can you connect me with the Reiki practitioners? And she goes, sure. I am Manikai Muhammad. I am originally from Phoenix, Arizona. I've been living in Japan for 21 years. I do Reiki, been doing Reiki since 2016. Done a little hula, done hula dancing also. I'm also a certified life coach and just recently started my career in sound healing, combining Reiki and sound healing together. So doing that as well. Wow, that's cool. My name is Lena Takahashi. I'm originally from Ukraine and um, I came to Japan 16 years ago. Now I permanently live in Japan and um, a Reiki practitioner, Reiki teacher, and I also um, um, Ayurvedic health consultant. I also uh, continue in my study in herbs and uh, health living. Well, you guys are living good lives then with all you doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So you both were at the World Parkinson Congress in Kyoto. Thank you for being there. What did you notice about people from the Parkinson's community that you worked with? I noticed that the people of the Parkinson's community are determined. That would be the best way to put it. They're extremely determined to take back their lives from Parkinson's. They are putting a lot of their energy and efforts into exploring and learning what can be, what can be done, what can be learned, what new techniques exist, because the people are determined to take their lives back from this very cruel condition and I also noticed that everyone is the the spirit of defeat or sadness doesn't exist there's a, a strength there that it was very impressive and touching and heartwarming what's what symptoms uh, seem to be most impacted positively by the Reiki sessions the people who received the most of that when the session started we noticed an immediate people would go into relaxation mode and sleep and so they woke up um with less stress and their tremors the tr they were having less tremors than they were some people some people had remarkably less tremors some people had a, a little less tremors but each person who received a reiki session from us was grateful and said thank you i'm feeling much better than i was before and how could I get more information about Reiki? So when they go home, they could explore it if they chose to do so. Um, I also, what I noticed is, um, well, I have to be honest, I never interacted with people who had Parkinson. So for me, it was very new experience. Um, and I was also excited to see what Reiki can do. A lot of people were reporting that um, they had a very bad jet lag and um, maybe just, you know, the diet, the food change. And um, Japan is a very, like, high, especially Kyoto. Uh, culturally, you know, it's very different. So when I could see that today, I could see them looking, walking very good. And tomorrow they were completely uh, off. So um, 
you know, I just didn't know, oh, it seems like this is what Parkinson does today. They feel great tomorrow. They're not. So when the times when they were not feeling great, um, you know, just having 15 minutes of Reiki session with us, um, they were amazed that um, uh, people who had a really bad tremors, um, that they could be completely still only after 15 minutes of Reiki sessions. And um, when they would come back the next day, they were saying that they could sleep better. And um, one person we had um, that, that person even goes occasionally with their own Reiki practitioner, but uh, maybe the energy we work with could help that person to be completely still that that person didn't feel maybe for 15 or 20 years and they could sleep completely like still and didn't move the whole night. So we were receiving a lot of like reports that, you know, were like really amazing us. And um, we were, you know, telling everyone that guys, if you can afford it in your own country, um, please, you know, put it in another complementary medicine for whatever you guys usually do to keep yourself great. The thing, the beautiful thing about Reiki, Larry, is that anyone can get, anyone can, anyone can do it, including people with Parkinson's. And so, like, if a Parkinson's person gets the Reiki attunement, they can do Reiki for themselves. Sure. And also, like, for example, if the caregiver, caregivers can also give Reiki to their to the, their loved one with Parkinson's and also to themselves because it really is a life management tool that can, it only helps. Yeah, and um, you know, when I was in uh, at Parkinson's, I saw a lot of uh, people coming like, you know, family trip. Um, you came, three of you came, right? right yeah, our, my wife and my son came, yeah. Yeah, and I was um, so like amazed that the whole family would come to Japan, and um, um, you know, I was asking myself, okay, you you see that all of them very supportive, and um, you know they look happy, uh, but what is behind the scene? And um, I was really happy to listen to your podcast because you guys talk what is behind the scene. Um, and I was thinking that, you know, Reiki could help uh, for caregivers, you know, of course, not just to only, you know, give you like Reiki sessions, um, but also to manage, you know, themselves, their emotions or relationship or helping to go through the changes that um, husband and wife goes through. And um, I, I think your wife mentioned is um, as a care, caregiver, you know, uh, we have a role of wife and now we have a role of um, caregivers. So like where to put the line, where to put the, you know, how to bring, you know, some boundaries to each role. And I think Reiki can really help with that. Uh, so for those who are uninitiated, how do you define Reiki? The simplest definition is that it's a Japanese technique that provides stress and relaxation 
and therefore allows the body to regenerate itself using the body's natural healing energy. It's a natural energy, a natural frequency of this universe, and it's, anyone can do it. It's not like something someone has to train like exceptionally long times. It's more like saying everyone has the ability to do it, but a Reiki practitioner is a person who has taken the class to have that ability switched on. And it's available to us to use whenever we want just by the power of intention. When did you first learn about it? Leno had been telling me, you need to take a Reiki session. I was like, yeah, I'll get to it. When I finally took the Reiki session, when I opened my eyes, my mind was quiet and calm for the first time. I don't remember. And I immediately said, I, I have to know what this is because if you could, could quiet my mind to that degree, it has to be beneficial. And so from that day on, I've been curious and interested in Reiki. So when your mind gets quiet and uncluttered and unbusy, how does that make you feel? Centered, grounded, peaceful. It's like having a burden lifted from you that you didn't even know you had. That's the only way I can describe it. Because when you're, when my mind is that way, I'm, you become accustomed to it until you finally, until I finally had it relieved with all that extra energy. And it was like, wow, this is what being peaceful and being at peace feels like. And it's like, I want to know more about this and possibly share it with others. How did you, uh, Lena, feel after your first or first couple of encounters? Uh, for me, I felt um, like something being opened for me uh, to hear like guidance. That's for me was like um, like my first session was like you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. I was more able to hear um, the guidance from the source. We all usually available to us, but there's something that's blocking us to hear. Uh, and for me, that was really powerful. And physically, my body feel very ali aligned. And I felt like very comfortable being in my body. You both took a little time before you agreed to have your first session. What was the hesitation? Um, for me, I was like, um, I don't know what it is. And I tried to search on it and um, I tried to read it and it's like kind of like you cannot understand what it really is until you actually have a session with someone. Um, and for me, I was interested in a particular lady um, who was coming only once a month. So, um, yeah. For myself, it was more a case of just when your mind is busy and you're dealing with the day-to-day -day things, you feel like, yeah, 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 I'll get to it when I can and just keep putting it off. But more also, like Lena said, um, let me put it this way. A fish that's has been in water all the time doesn't know what air feels like until it brings it out for the first time. When you, Reiki is simply one of those things that a person simply has to experience it at least 10 minutes of just a sample to get an idea of what it is. 
it really feels that good. And 10 minutes alone will give a person an introduction to the, to open the door to being open to the concept. All right. So if I were to come to your office and you were going to sit me down for a Reiki session, what, what would we do? Well, you fill out the Reiki client form. We just go over the disclaimer that Reiki is a complementary therapy. It's not, it does not replace medical therapy and that we would discuss what you're coming for. Are you coming for relaxation? Are you coming just for, to experience Reiki? And then you, we would place you on the table, Reiki table, or if you're comfortable in a chair, you would sit in the chair and play soft music and we would proceed to give you a Reiki session. What does that mean? Uh, basically, um, when you're coming for a Reiki session, um, like picture that it's, you know, usually when people receive massage, um, you know, there's physical interaction. With Reiki session, there shouldn't be necessary to have like person actually touching you. Uh, there is a few like points in the body that usually a practitioner would go through. Um, it can be soft touch or if somebody is not comfortable with being touched, you know, kind of like practitioner bring their hands close to your body. So, yes, a Reiki session, think of it as a touchless massage. It is not necessary for the practitioner to actually touch the person to transmit the Reiki. Just hovering their hands near the, the client will actually transmit the energy and you would receive that. So and you would receive Reiki energy. So you, either a light touch or no touch at all. Are you directing the energy through your hands into my body? Yes, we are sending the energy to your body through our hands. But the important thing to understand about Reiki is that it is an external source of energy. It is not that I am giving you or the giving the client my own energy. The easiest way to think of it is the same way a cell phone charger, you plug it into the wall and you plug that other end into the phone, the power is flowing through the cell phone charger, but it's not coming from the cell phone charger. That's why Reiki is a, it's an energy that's around us and the practitioner it has gone through the necessary training to channel the energy through them, but it's not coming from them. Do people who have never experienced this, uh, are, is that what they're skeptical about? Is like, you're not even touching me. How can you possibly be helping me? <laughs> that is one of the things. And because many people, it's the concept is new. It's like, okay, what are you doing? And how are you doing this? What am I supposed to feel? What am I supposed to do? Well, no, just sit there and just, I'm going to put my hands near you. You just relax. Many people find it difficult to believe that something like that exists because there's not much, there's no nothing they can compare it to in their culture or in the, where they're from. And also they think this, um, oh, you're performing some hocus pocus, it's some magic, or this is some woo woo stuff. It's like, no, this is, this is natural energy. This is just great, great life management tool. Who would be a good candidate for Reiki? Anyone, everyone. <laughs> Reiki is applicable to anyone and anyone at any time. There's not like any one particular type of person who does need it or doesn't. A person who is what you would call physically healthy and able-bodied. But we all have stress. 
And so even just with a stress management, Reiki is beneficial. You know, when we speak about, you know, that anyone can use Reiki, it's maybe sometimes difficult to focus on who do we want to address it. Um, but as Monica mentioned, um, first, what is really um, nowadays a big problem is the stress. And this is how a lot of illnesses are coming from. So uh, the first major things maybe we could address is stress management. And then depends on the situation, um, you know, you can bring Reiki to manage like relationship to uh, with your partner, with your children, with coworkers. You know, Reiki has no limits. That's all how I can put it. Do you have any uh, anything you want to say to skeptics of energetic healing? A lot of people who are skeptics are skeptics because, well, to be quite honest, they're afraid of something, that there's something beyond what they know. They're comfortable with their own level of, like, okay, this is the way the world works. This is the way it is. It's like, um, but the concept that there's something else that's real, that's scientific, that's not spooky, is a bit of a leap of faith for them. And... For example, there's a person with Parkinson's by the name of Carl Robb, who in his, by his own um, definition, he says he went from huge skeptic to Reiki master because Reiki, he had a chance encounter with a Reiki master. He was skeptical. And from the moment he got on the table, it was like, wow. I have to learn this. His wife, who was sitting in the room, also a skeptic, said that the results were so wonderful. Now they are both Reiki masters. Wow. And also, Reiki is being researched by scientists. There's many hospitals, over 800 in the United States and many around the world. They're adding Reiki as a complementary therapy to the hospitals. There's many research, much research that has been done that says that the science says that while they cannot define exactly what Reiki is, the scientific data saying that it is something and it does work. Now, of course, the sample size of the research is small, larger scale research must be done, but there is scientific research out there for people who say, well, it's not scientific. Yes, there is. Center for Reiki Research. Um, and for people with Parkinson's, if they look up Carl Robb, K-A-R-L-R-O-B-B, he's a young onset Parkinson's practitioner who speaks about Parkinson's and Reiki on his blog. Wow. That's great. I really appreciate that they mentioned that we often don't know how something will affect us or even potentially be a really positive part of our integrative medicine choices until we try it. Back in the day, there were lots of different kinds of sessions that I likely would have never tried unless I was encouraged to do so or met somebody who was a practitioner. I'm so glad I did because my health, personal growth, and overall well-being has been positively affected by this exploration. Honestly, I can't imagine having the resiliency and the humor and perspective necessary for what we're facing right now without 
some form of energetic awareness and then the mindfulness practices that I've cultivated because of this work. Yeah, I mean, the mindfulness is huge because for me, it brings a lot of neutrality. It allows me to be here now and just sort of, you know, not be able to be in a place without judgment of the moment. Uh, And that's really just sort of like, oh, acknowledging that that's happening, whatever it is, and then figuring out how to, you know, move, figuring out how to move forward. So in the interview, Maniki mentioned Carl Robb, who is an activist. He's a blogger. He's an author. He's got two books. He's also a Reiki master who has been in the Parkinson's community now. He was diagnosed 30 years ago. He and his wife, Angela, are both Reiki masters. I'm like, oh my gosh, what a jackpot. Let's call them up. We need them on the show. I see, I see Carl and Angela. Hello. Welcome. Thank nice you. to meet you both. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thanks for joining us on such <laughs> short notice. I, I thought, well, let's just give it a shot and see if they're available. Well, I, 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 I had no idea my name was was was, was being talked about. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. You're you're famous. Like, we're we're honored to have you on the show. How did Reiki come to you? Um, it was funny. Uh, my father was having uh, a. Um, he wasn't feeling well, so he, someone offered him to get a, a Traeger session. And I, I, I didn't know her Traeger. And, he, and he, he, my father asked the Traeger practitioner, uh, good for his son with Parkinson's, and they said yes. Yeah, they gave him the phone number. They gave number. him the phone number for the, for the Traeger Society, I think, in, in New York City, uh, to, to find out for a local Traeger practitioner in my area. And I uh, I called, and they said, well, there's someone in your area that's Traeger. Um well, I looked him, looked him up, and he it was just moving his office from Alexandria to uh, to Fairfax, and right down about less than a mile as a crow flies uh, from our house. From our house, and it's wow. like, well, that's that's convenient. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, so I went, we went to go see, see him, um, and he said, "I do Traeger, but um, I'm kind of I kind of bastardized uh a series of modalities and um I, one of the things i focus on is reiki i go what's reiki and again took on with me and he um he said this is using universal universal energy and touch and I, said, I was having a bad day and it sounded kind of hokey to me <laughs> to both, <laughs> to of, both us. of us <laughs> and i wasn't exposed to it and um he's willing to do a session on me i'll try it so i got on the table and an hour later i woke up and i felt great i was um I felt like I was glowing, and um, and I sat up, and Angela saw me, and I felt, and she said, "Okay, I'm next." <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Let me on, right? What it's were like... you feeling like when you went into that first session? How was your body feeling, and then what what released? I wasn't walking well. Uh, my, my my I felt stiff. I felt um. Uh, I wasn't. I didn't feel totally clear mentally. Um, it was just a. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was not a, a day where my my meds were working totally well. Um, uh, it, it's, it's like a total shift happened. Um, and that, that night we had an occasional Chinese restaurant that we used to get takeout from, and food tasted better. Uh, um, yeah, it was just ordinary <laughs> Chinese takeout. It wasn't anything special, and we tasted that food. We were like, "This is the best food we have ever had." <laughs> <laughs> like, what oh, kind of energy did he give me? That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> I think I think Ricky Ricky gave me it's given me a boost um, uh, in so many ways. But, but I almost consider it a form of a form of DBS. 
without, without the wires. The body's a battery. Yeah. And when you get close enough, you're taking this universal energy, which is everywhere. It's all around us. It's in every, you know, the trees and in the air. And you, yeah, you can't see it, but you know that it's there. And then we just act as the conduit. We don't tell the energy where to go. It just seems to know where to go and it knows what to do. Um, the intention is to be of service and to be compassionate towards the person. As you intimated, Reiki and anytime you integrate something like that into your life, any kind of energetic awareness, it just kind of changes the way of being, right? It changes the way you approach the world and people and humanity and your awareness of what's around you. Oh yeah. You're exactly right, Rebecca. It's, it's, and it, and it doesn't all happen at once. It's a slow progression. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it takes a long time. Certainly that first level class, it took a long time just to do the self-treatment. How does Reiki benefit you as a care partner? Whoa, that's a big one, Rebecca. <laughs> um, actually, this part came out uh, just recently when I did the WPC uh, virtual care partner talk series. We, somebody had a question about anger and patience, or patience, I guess, was mostly uh, the question. And I think Reiki has really brought a depth for my patience, um, balancing my my emotional state. Um, since it, Reiki works on all levels, mind, body, and spirit, you know, the the personal practice I have keeps me grounded, keeps me centered. Um, when I start to see the impacts of stress and I get more upset and more anxious, I know that's when I have to go back and do a little bit more of my practice. Carl sees it. He's right away. He'll say, uh, I think there's something going on. <laughs> so it really has brought me a capacity that I didn't have before and being grounded and being centered and being compassionate and dealing with the stress, whether it's COVID or Carl maybe having a down day or me not feeling so well, those practices really give me the opportunity to pull the tool out of my toolbox and help myself. So I'm all around better. I, I love the way that you put that. It's a tool in your toolbox, a really powerful one, but we need those powerful ones as care partners and as people with Parkinson's, right? You got to pull out the big guns if you need the big guns in there, right? Exactly. And, and also Carl recognizing that I do need that. Some days I say, wait a minute, you know, I, I, there's something going on. I just need to take some extra time for myself or can you, you know, give me a short session or can we do something that, you know, let's go for a walk. Cause I just really need to balance myself. So we go out, we take a walk around the neighborhood, we come back. I feel a lot better. I think getting to know yourself on both yeah. levels, you know, it's center, it's centering, centering, yeah. centering and grounding. And, 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 yeah. and knowing, knowing yourself and knowing, and knowing, um, um, uh, a man's got to do his limitations. <laughs> <laughs> you, you still, you still my line. And woman, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> It's so true, though. I mean, you've got to know your limitations, but 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 still, but still, but still go um, push push those limitations to, to the point where where it's not, where, where it's so you're still safe. If you, if you don't push yourself, you're not going to you're going to know what you're capable of. Anybody who was at the WPC in, uh, in Montreal or in Portland may have experienced Reiki with you. What was that experience like for you? It was great. Uh, I, I, was, I was energized the whole time. It was, uh, uh, um, so the great thing is uh, I, I, get, I, I get the benefit 
energy energy as well when i'm working when we're on, working on the client yeah that's the beauty of being a practitioner people think oh you know you must be drained after working on those people no that's not the way it works it's the universe so we just act as a conduit but pieces of it kind of flow off to us because we are acting as the pipeline to the individual. What was the reaction of the people there? Were they all familiar with Reiki and they're like, oh, this is cool? Or are they going, what the hell is this? <laughs> Actually, everybody, I mean, we we tried to give them a little speech in the beginning, like, you know, just sit back, relax, you can close your eyes, you know, if you fall asleep, that's okay. You know, we go through this like yeah. checklist. And um the thing I noticed is they get giggly. <laughs> they're like, all of a sudden, you know, they're kind of chill and they laugh more at the end of the session. They talk more too. And they talk more too, like going in, you know, they're a little hesitation and then all the barriers kind of come down and they're like, yeah. Humor is so important uh, with, with um, uh, uh, and, and sometimes, Parkinson's can be—I hate to say—it can be funny. Uh, uh, it can lead to some funny, very funny situations, and uh, um, especially during uh, COVID. And right. Parkinson's being with each other. Parkinson's like, <laughs> like a chess game. Uh, a chess game in, 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 a, in a, a, a Rube Goldberg installment. It's, it's you think the game's going. You, you have a strategy, and then and then then somebody takes the board and flips it upside down. Uh, that, that's why you have plan, plan A plus plan plan A or plan B plan C. Uh, if you don't if you don't keep your sense of humor, uh, uh, it it, it, um, it makes things harder. I think uh, sure. uh, you have you have to laugh every day. We laugh at ourselves. We, I yeah. laugh at her. And she, she, she <laughs> How did you guys meet? Oh, you had Parkinson's. Sounds like that's quite a story. You had Parkinson's at eighteen. I was in prison. Well, back in the day, <laughs> not in prison. <laughs> back in the day, there was something called America Online, and we met on AOL in a chat room. Back in oh, America. that's awesome! So that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> amazing, and I, I, I made her laugh. Yeah, his P key stuck on his keyboard. <laughs> a lot of jokes about his P key. I'm still processing that. It's so random. <laughs> uh, I had tons of jokes for that. So, uh, oh but, yeah, but, 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 but we, we can't we can't do that on, on this on this podcast. So. <laughs> this, was, this is our 25th anniversary yeah, that's, year. That's, so. That's, we're, 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 so I met Carl after his diagnosis. Uh, I, I was amazed that she she said yes because uh, 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 um. I, uh, a really strong, strong, loving person to uh, to say. Um, uh, not not only what the, what the future brought with Parkinson's, she she she. Um, okay. I love the man. I don't love the disease. I hate the disease, but I love the man. I'm not going to give him up for <laughs> as a neurological condition. Come on. Well, that's yeah. great. You guys are that's awesome. Wonderful. Yeah. You guys are too. Yeah, no, you're so great. No, you're so great. <laughs> the Mutual Admiration Society. It was so fun talking with them. Uh, can we just have them on the show every week? <laughs> floating. We mentioned floating before. And that was really interesting for me. It was before my diagnosis. Um, and I would, you know, it, that was like the idea of being like in this water bath chamber. Sensory, sensory deprivation. Yeah, they basically put you in a coffin with water. <laughs> I guess so. Yes, because it's all dark and yeah, the top's yes. closed and right. like, but like, 
and it takes a while. It's a salt bath, so you get like floating. Like, there's enough salt in there that you can just float on top of the water, kind of. And I was like, okay, I'll try this. And you, at first, like you're deep, you're fast breathing, and you're like your heart's thumping, and you're like. And then after a while, you're like, whoa. And then, then the, the, at some point, the little music turns on and your session's over. And you're like, whoa, that was quick. Uh, but, like, it does. It just sort of, like, it takes all the pressure off your bones and your joints and your muscles because you're just, like, floating in midair or floating in water, as it were. What did you do for your mind? Um, I um, traveled the universe in my mind. Just kind of floated through the stars. Mm-hmm. It was great. It's the thoughts that pop in that can be telling about what's happening for you and what's coming up for you and what maybe you need to be paying attention to. The floating is a, is one way that you can get to that very peaceful, quiet place so you can hear what you need to hear. One modality that I resisted for until this year, until, well, 2020, when I my neuropathy got so bad and the pain got so bad, people were like, suggesting things i'm trying everything uh is is uh the the needles acupuncture acupuncture yes and you resisted it largely if i recall because of your aversion to needles he's significantly (laughs) (laughs) significantly resistant to needles so can you do this without the needles fantastic Um, but the needles aren't a big deal. It's it, it, you feel the chi in your body moving, and it uh, like half of the time you can't even feel them go in. If you, you know, and sometimes they do, and they and you just tell them, oh, and then they go, oh, sorry, and uh, it's no big deal. Uh, but then like you're sitting there, and you've got like a needle between your eyes and you, all over your scalp, and the, on your arms, and your fingers, and your wrists, and your ankles, and your toes, and you're like. I feel like I'm a superhero or something. Just sort of <laughs> sitting here with needles all over me. Uh, but no, it's, after a while, you just relax. It really helped um, with the pain along with the pharmaceuticals. Like I did both. Nice. <laughs> I just didn't choose one or the other. Well, and I think that's important to point out is that we embrace traditional medicine as well. And pharmaceuticals, when they're helpful as the name integrative medicine suggests it's integrating all of it east and west energetic traditional allopathic naturopathic all of that can play a role depending on what works for you and what helps to bring your own natural balance you know what i love the most it's one day my uh um the uh, practitioner who does the needles thing acupuncturist she suggested cupping and I'm like, I don't know what that is. And it's these glass, like, wine cups or something. <laughs> That's what it reminds me. I was like, uh, like the, the rounded without the stems. And they heat them up and then they put them on your back. And so then you have like 10 of these cups on your back. And they're, they, they're heated up and so they're suctioned to your back. And then she slowly takes them off one at a time. It's, it feels so good. And then you're left with like these purple rings on your back, but that's all the toxins coming out. It's great. Yeah, it's meant to be kind of clearing of the natural toxins and chemicals and stuff we're all exposed to all the time. That was my favorite. You like the cupping more than the acupuncture? Oh, yeah. Because it didn't involve needles? Yes. (laughs) I think it's important to acknowledge the role that emotions and trauma and stress play on our body wellness, that mind-body connection. Pain is often connected to significant stress or a particular experience or grief. 
things that we're all experiencing right now, more so than in a typical day, just acknowledging that fact and understanding that mind-body connection can take you a long way towards healing it when traditional medicine doesn't address it. Just try and see what works. Everybody's Parkinson's is different. And that's the great thing, is we are this giant universe of people with Parkinson's. We're a global community. So let's use the global tools to try to you know, make us feel better, to try to solve Parkinson's. Let's don't limit ourselves to our borders and what we know and are comfortable with. If you're like me and you sometimes like to read about something before trying it, there are many well-known researchers, care providers, authors who explore the energetic and emotional aspects of wellness, including Dr. John Sarno, a little-known author named Deepak Chopra. Mm. He has a few books, a researcher and therapist named Barbara Ann Brennan, Dr. James Gordon, and many others. We encourage you to look around and discover who may speak to you and what kinds of practices may speak to you. Well, you know, our guests today also have some great resources you can tap into. Lena Maniki's Healing Practice has a website, HealingLandReiki.com. And they're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Carl Robb has a website, CarlRobb.com. That's Carl with a K and Rob with two Bs. So K-A-R-L-R-O-B-B.com. And there you can access his award-winning blog and purchase two books, among other things. A Soft Voice in a Noisy World, A Guide to Dealing and Healing with Parkinson's Disease was written by Carl. And then Carl and Angela together developed a companion workbook. The website also has links to follow Carl on social media. We also have um, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And so if people are wanting to share what they do, I would love to hear that. Yes, please share that. And if you have a story or just sort of a modality that you particularly like, send it our way. We'll try it. Happy healing, everybody. (laughs) Happy healing. This is When Life Gives You Parkinson's, a Curious Cast podcast. Our story producer is Dila Velazquez. Sound design by Greg Schott. The presenting partner is Parkinson Canada. Diagnosed with Parkinson's, you are not alone. Parkinson.ca. Thanks also to our promotional partners, Spotlight YOPD. The only organization in the world with a singular focus of raising awareness of young onset Parkinson's disease. You can find them at SpotlightYOPD.org. The Michael J. Fox Foundation, Parkinson's podcast, hosted by Larry Gifford. I know him. Available on Apple Podcast and at michaeljfox.org. The World Parkinson Congress 2022 in Barcelona, Spain. I'm going to Barcelona. (laughs) (laughs) Go to WPC2022.org for details on special virtual events that you can participate in now. They also have a virtual Congress coming up, so check that out. And PD Avengers. Ready to help end Parkinson's? Join now at pdavengers.com. And thank you. Thank thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, give the show a five-star healing uh, rating uh, and <laughs> feel free to comment. You can also engage with us on social media. It's at Parkinson's Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or email us at parkinsonspod at curiouscast.ca. I know some of you have these awesome email lists of people that you blast things to. 
and great Instagram followings and all kinds of things. Oh, this would be so cool if you shared this with them. Keep positive. Keep exercising. Keep listening. We'll talk to you next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.